We can't hear you from over here, but from wherever you're at, lift your hands, clap your hands, give praise to the Lord. What a phenomenal uh, song, offer of worship. Praise the Lord. Keep going. I see you clapping over there. Keep going. Lift your voice to the Lord. Praise the Lord. It is our tradition at New Life we join churches around the world in proclaiming that Christ is risen, that he is risen indeed. And so I'm going to just shout out Christ is risen. And wherever you're at, over over Queens, Manhattan, Brooklyn, the Bronx, Staten Island, New York City, uh, New Jersey, the United States, across the board, across this world, he is risen. Again, from wherever you're at, he is risen. Amen. We praise the Lord that he is risen. It is Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. Jesus Christ is alive. And yes, this is a different Sunday for us, but we are joining the church around the world and celebrating this good news that death could not hold him down, that he is risen. And because he's risen, we have hope. Because he is risen, we have life. Because he is risen, we have joy, even in the midst of all kinds of suffering and pain that we live in this world. If you're watching here today for the first time, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor at New Life Fellowship Church, and I am thrilled that you have joined us to join us for worship, to proclaim this good news of our Savior Jesus. And I want to preach a message today, a message of resurrection hope, to let us know that Jesus Christ can find us. He searches for us and he finds us wherever we find ourselves in this world. And so I want to preach on this theme today, the God who finds us. That Christ is risen, he's alive, and he's the one who searches us out. He is the one who finds us. And I want to read this passage out of John chapter 20. John 20, and I'm going to read a few verses here. It's really the Easter story. And so there's about 12 verses. It's a, quite a lengthy story, but I think it's important for you to hear the story with fresh ears. And then I'm going to, then I'm going to preach a, a message about how Jesus finds us. In John chapter 20, beginning at verse number 11, hear the word of the Lord. It says, Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said. And I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? And thinking he was the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them what, that she had said, he had said these things to her. Verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 
And after this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If, if you forgive any sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. I want to talk about the God who finds us. The God who finds us. Lord, we give you praise that you are indeed risen, risen from the grave. And so, Lord, I pray that through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would now speak through me, Lord, into our hearts, that we would receive this good news for our lives today, no matter where we find ourselves in this world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a story I heard recently of a man who lived in Minnesota. And it was nearing springtime, and he was in the city, and the city was covered with mountains of snow. Now, in New York, we've experienced this from time to time. When snow falls initially around Christmas, it's beautiful, it's sweet, it gets you in a festive mood. But come March or April, if there's any snow on the ground, it's no longer festive. It's no longer joyful. It's no longer delightful. It becomes, as you know, a kind of manifestation of evil. And so this man in Minnesota was walking his dog, and the ground was covered with snow. But the snow was beginning to melt. And as he's walking this dog, he looked down and saw a flower protruding through the snow. And this flower happened to be a tulip. And it was the only flower in that area that decided to burst forth. And when this man saw this, he was surprised to see it. And he said, it was like the flower said, I'm not going to wait until the snow melts. I'm going to show the world my colors. I'm going to offer the world my fragrance. Whether other flowers are doing it or not, I don't care. I'm going to burst forth. And essentially what this flower was doing was announcing that although there's still snow on the ground, although it's still cold, although there are no other flowers bursting forth, this flower was announcing springtime is here. Now, when I heard that story, it made me think about Jesus. It made me think about Easter because, yes, there's still snow on the ground. Yes, there's still pain in our world. But Easter says springtime is here. Resurrection has come. Jesus Christ is alive. And on that first Easter Sunday, Jesus was that tulip bursting forth out of the grave into newness of life. Now, when we talk about Easter, we have to make a few things clear. Easter, at its core, is about God declaring victory over the power of death. Easter very simply says this, that the resurrection is God's definitive no to death and God's decisive yes to life. God's definitive no to death as well as his decisive yes to life. And so we have reason to hope because Christ is alive. And yet our hope is not without pain. Our hope is not about ignoring reality. 
Because to celebrate Easter is not to minimize the ongoing suffering that many people are experiencing. As you know, just one mile from here is Elmhurst Hospital, and there's still lots of suffering going on, still lots of pain going on, still lots of people in grief, lots of people in mourning. And so we are to recognize that we are an already not yet people. Christ is already risen, but the fullness of the kingdom of God has not come yet. And so we have to hold on to this tension that even though death remains, yet it has been defeated. In the past couple of weeks, we have seen deaths in the city. We have heard of New Life family members and former New Lifers succumb to death. We grieve and we mourn their loss. And at the same time, we pronounce that we have not heard the last from them. That they will be raised up one day. You see, Christianity is not about... God making bad people good or good people better. At the core of Christianity is God making dead people come alive. And so whatever happened to Jesus on that first Easter is what's going to happen to those who are in Christ where one day we will all be raised up into newness of life. And so even though we mourn, we don't mourn as those without hope because Jesus Christ lives. And so we wait for the day when Christ is going to raise us all to newness of life. The question is, as we remain, how do we respond to the reality of life? This Easter message for us is important. And I believe this text speaks to us in some profound ways. The ways that Jesus encounters his disciples after the resurrection. Our Easter story helps us this day. And it's interesting to note that The Easter in 2020, what we are experiencing today, really resembles more of the Easter 2,000 years ago than we typically experience. On typical Easter Sundays, we pack churches, we wear our best outfits, hopefully you're still wearing a good outfit at home, but we wear our best outfits, we, we do all that we celebrate, and it's very festive, we have Easter meals, but the first Easter was not really characterized by how we typically understand Easter. The first Easter was surrounded by pain, despair, disappointment, a sense of hopelessness. And many of us are feeling that way today. You might be dressed up, but you still might be feeling down. And the reality is, even though this is our reality today, it bears actually much resemblance to 2,000 years ago. And it is in that space of pain in that space of disappointment, in that moment of suffering and hopelessness. It is in these moments where Jesus Christ burst forth into our lives. When we read read that passage just a moment ago, and there's two stories really that I want to highlight, two encounters that Jesus had with his disciples. And the first encounter we read about was with Mary, a scene with Mary. Jesus reveals himself to this woman. As a woman, Mary would have been on the fringe of society 2,000 years ago. And moreover, when you hear about Mary, we learn that she had some troubling things about her past. The Bible says that at one point she had seven demons cast out of her. Now, however you choose to understand that, there was some deep hurt 
and trauma that Mary experienced. But Mary would meet Jesus, and he would offer grace and mercy to her, offer tenderness to her. She would begin to follow this Jesus, and Christ would make her feel like she belonged. But now in the story, Jesus is dead, and all her hopes and dreams are gone. And she's caught in deep, deep sorrow. And sorrow can make us feel like we're trapped. That joy will never, ever come back in our lives. That happiness is just a mere illusion. And many of us knows what that feels like. So many of you on Easter Sunday are filled with sorrow. The sorrow of a marriage that didn't work out. The sorrow of a death of a loved one. The sorrow of economic uh, disruption and disorientation. The sorrow of not having your dreams fulfilled in the way that you so long for them to be fulfilled. We know what it's like to feel sorrow. So does Mary. And so here Mary is in the story weeping by the tomb. And it is in this moment where Jesus shows up. And he asks her a very simple question. Who are you looking for? That's really the question that Jesus asked all of us, that we're all searching for something. Actually, we're searching for someone. And on Easter Sunday, Jesus says, who are you looking for? Who are you searching for? And Mary responds, listen, uh, my, my, my Lord was here. Where have you put him? And, and Jesus then, in verse 16, changes Mary's life in just one word. And that one word was her name. Jesus, in that moment, spoke her name. Very tenderly, I imagine, Mary. What I love about this part of the story is that Jesus knows her name. And to know her name is to know her past, her sketchy past, her sinful past. He knows everything about her, and he calls her by name. And Jesus today is calling you by name as well. He knows your sins. He knows your past. He knows your disappointment. He knows your sorrow. And Jesus calls you by name. It's really nice in everyday life when Someone knows you by name. Someone who is maybe a person in authority. Someone who has a lot of power. And it's really nice when they remember your name. We also know what it's like when someone forgets our name. We know the joy of having someone remembering our name. And we know the pain and the awkwardness of someone forgetting our name. I've had many people come up to me and say, Rob, so good to see you again, Rob. And I'm thinking, not Rob, uh, it's Rich. And they continue to call me Rob. Rob, I'm so happy to see you. And there's some awkwardness when someone forgets your name. It happens in church all the time, doesn't it? You see people and then you go, what is that person's name? What is her name? And then they come up to shake your hand and you go, sister, brother and the longer you extend that brother sister you're just giving yourself away you forgot their name what is their name brother what is the name there's something uh painful about someone not remembering your name but the story reminds us that with the billions of people in this world jesus knows your name and he calls you by name Listen, the IRS, they know you by your tax numbers. 
The state knows you by your driver's license numbers. The bank knows you by your account number. Your employer knows you by your social security number. Your insurance company knows you by your policy number. But aren't you glad that Jesus knows you by name? Amen. And he calls you by name. And Jesus right now is calling your name says, I know you intimately. I know your past. I know your present. I know your future. And I'm calling you by name. And what we see is that the resurrected Jesus meets us in our sorrow by calling our name. The resurrected Jesus meets us in our sorrow. That's the first scene and the reminder that we need. That for those of us experiencing deep sorrow, Jesus knows you. And he calls you, he searches for you, he finds you, he calls us by name. But then here's the second scene that I want to highlight. Jesus meets Mary, and then Jesus connects with his disciples. And to read the story again, this is what it says. It says, on the evening of that first day, when the disciples were together with the doors locked because of the fear of Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Now listen, the disciples here are sheltered in place, okay? They are socially distanced because of fear. They have self-quarantined themselves. And I do hope they were standing six feet from each other, but that's neither here nor there. But they are locked in a room because of fear. And as they are locked in this room because of fear, John, the gospel writer, writes a few words. And I want to just break these three words apart that he says, that Jesus actually says. As they're locked because of fear, John says, Jesus came. As they're locked in a room because of fear, Jesus came. And boy, do I love that it says Jesus came. In their moment of fear, Jesus came. In this moment of deep anxiety, Jesus came. In this moment of confusion and wondering about their future, Jesus came. And aren't you glad that Jesus comes and meets us and finds us. It says that Jesus came. Now the message of Christianity is that Christ came. And that Christ will come again. But there's a third part about Christianity as well. Not that just Jesus came and that he's going to come again. But present tense, Jesus comes. He came to them in the present tense. And Jesus comes to us in the present tense as well. He's coming to us right now. The question is, can you discern his coming? But he's coming to us right now. And whether we are scattered abroad or sheltered inside, Jesus comes and he finds us. And so John says Jesus came, but he doesn't stop there. The second word that I love is that it says Jesus stood. And so Jesus came and then it says Jesus stood among them. Now the million dollar question is how did he get in? And if you're following the story with me, you'll remember that it says that the disciples had locked the door. Now, I don't know if Jesus got a key. It doesn't seem like Home Depot might have been open at that time, but I don't know how he did it. But Jesus somehow found his way into the room that they had locked. 
Now, really quickly here, Jesus, remember, has now a resurrected, glorified body. And we don't really understand it, but it seems to me and to many other people that because he had a glorified body, he could do things that our physical bodies cannot do. And so Jesus perhaps is able to walk through walls and eat a fish sandwich at the same time. I can't understand it. But here's the point. We are not to get caught up in the physics of it, but to get caught up in the power of it. And here's the power that we need to see that there is no barrier that can separate you from the love of God. They locked themselves in a room, but it was not uh, strong enough to separate them from the love of God. And so Easter reminds us there is no wall too thick. There is no door so locked. There is no sin so deep. As the song, there's no mountain high enough. There's no valley low enough to to keep Jesus' love to getting to you. Oh, that sounds good. That's good news. He stood among them. There's no wall that was thick enough. He stands among them. And when he finds them, He offers this next word that John so eloquently captures. Jesus came, Jesus stood, and then it says, Jesus said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. I love that Jesus' words to his disciples is peace be with you. Now remember the scene. The people in the room are the people who have betrayed Jesus, let him down, abandoned him when he needed them most. And when he sees them, his first word to them is so powerful. When you look at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, the first word that Jesus speaks at the beginning of his ministry, all the way at the beginning of the gospel, is repent because the kingdom of God has come. And you would think that that would be a fitting word to speak to his disciples when he first sees them after he resurrects. It would be so fitting for him to have said, repent because of what you've done. They did, after all, abandon him. Repent. They did, after all, leave him there to die. Repent. That would have been such a fitting word, but Jesus offers peace. And I love that Jesus offers peace. Because that's not what we offer as human people. We don't offer that to people who let us down. It reminds me in junior high school, I I, I was from time to time getting into some trouble and and ran into the wrong group of people. One day I'm walking with a friend named Mitchell in IS302 in in, uh, East New York, Brooklyn. Mitchell, I hope you're watching this. I haven't seen you in 20 years, but I haven't forgotten the story. And as I'm walking down, I get into some trouble with some other guys and, and they begin to jump me. And as they are just busting me up, Mitchell runs away, just ran away from me. And I survived. I survived. I survived. I was able to walk away. I was all good. And then the next week when I saw Mitchell at school, he walks up to me talking about, what's up, Rich? How you doing? Now, I want to tell you that my first words to Mitchell was not, peace be with you. How many know what I'm talking about? I didn't say, peace, man. All good, man. Peace be with you. I said, what happened? Why'd you leave me like that? You couldn't help me. What's your problem? It wasn't peace be with you. But aren't you glad that Jesus is not us? Jesus' first words are peace be with you. 
And we see that Easter reveals a God who surprises us with grace when we least expect it. Jesus says, I'm not angry with you. I'm not holding anything over your head. I'm not holding a grudge. I'm not here to punish you. Look at my hands. Look at my side. Look at my feet. I've already taken the punishment for you. Now I'm offering you peace. And that's God's invitation. Look what I've done for you. Look how I've died for you. Look, how I, look at what I have done to bring you to the Father. Look at my hands. Peace be with you. You see, Jesus calls our name. He finds us. He comes. He stands among us. He, he offers us peace. And the question is, will you receive it this day? For some of you watching this, You've never received it. Jesus is offering it to you. And maybe, yes, you've been watching some live streams, and maybe, yes, you've come to church here and there, but you've never said in your heart, Jesus, I want to receive your peace. I want to follow you. Save me. Rescue me. Forgive me. And that's the invitation on this Easter for many of us watching, to say, Lord, I want to receive your peace. I love this Easter story. Jesus comes and meets us in our sorrow. He finds a socially distanced group of people. He comes to them. He stands among them. He offers them peace. And Jesus does the same for all of us. No matter where you find yourself, Jesus is alive. He's the resurrected one. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's coming to you right this moment. He's standing right where you're at right now in your living room, in your kitchen, in your bedroom, parked in your car. He's with you right now. And he says, peace be with you. The invitation of Easter is, can you receive it? Let's pray together. Lord, you are the exalted one, the risen one, the one who comes, the one who stands among us, the one who offers us peace. Lord, we celebrate on this Easter that what happened to Jesus is one day going to happen to all of us in Christ, raised into newness of life. And until that day, Lord, when we too have glorified bodies, may we hold on to the truth that you are with us, even in the midst of our sorrow. For some of us right now watching, Lord, who sense your spirit speaking to them, give them the grace to receive you at this moment. And even if you're watching right now and you sense God speaking to you, that you want to be rescued. You want to be forgiven. You want to be saved by Christ. A very simple prayer like, Lord, forgive me. I receive your love. You've died on my behalf and you are risen. I want to follow you. A simple prayer like that and God can transform your very life. 
We come now to the table of communion where we feast with the one who is risen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this moment, I'd like to lead us in a time of just communion, receiving the bread and the cup. And obviously this is not the ideal scenario, but yet we confess that Christ is among us. And on this Easter Sunday, we recognize his death and his resurrection, that he's here with us. And so right where you're at, New Lifers, you've been prepared for this moment. Uh, if maybe there, if there's multiple people in the home, maybe there's one person who could hold on to the, to the cup and to the bread and offer it to the rest. For those of you who might be alone, remember that Christ is with you. And I want to lead you all through this moment. Right where you're at, I want to ask if you wouldn't just close your eyes before we come and offer your own repentance before God in your heart. And then we'll pray this prayer of confession on the screen. But right where you're at, take just a moment and say, Lord, forgive me. Wash me. Cleanse me. Just do that right now. this time, let's pray the prayer of confession. And right where you're at, feel free to pray it out loud together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and our neighbor through our own fault, in thought, in word, in deed, in what we have done, in what we have left undone. For the sake of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, forgive us all our offenses and grant that we may serve you in newness of life. To the glory of your name, amen. The Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 11, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. We're gonna do this a little different as the people of God just receive just the bread right now. same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup 
you proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. As the people of God, freely forgiven by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, let's all receive together. sing this chorus out together. Praise the Father, praise the Son, praise the Spirit, three in one, God of glory, majesty, praise forever to trust that God has met you throughout our service, in our singing, in our preaching, in receiving the bread and the cup together. And I pray that on this Easter Sunday, you would hold on to that truth that he is risen. He is risen indeed. And may that color everything that you see in this world today, this week, and for the rest of your life. As we close, I want to remind you that we have a virtual lobby Our pastors will be connecting uh, in different rooms with congregants. And so on the website, newlife.nyc, you'll see a link there to go to a virtual lobby. If you're watching this on Facebook, you'll also notice there is a link, a Zoom link to click there. You'll go to a kind of little waiting room, and then you'll be Zoomed off to one of the rooms to connect with other New Lifers and with our, some of our pastors. And so we'd love for you to connect in this way right after the end of this service. As we close, I want to invite you to open your hand towards heaven to receive a blessing. And just remember that if you have pictures, feel free to post those on our social media pages. Uh, hashtag New Life NYC at home. New Life NYC at home. Uh, tag us in that. We love to see you in your Easter best. As we close, let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven in this way. Let me pray a blessing over you. And so with your hands and your hearts in a posture of receiving, brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. And may you walk out of this online experience in the power of the Holy Spirit, bearing truth, bearing witness to this truth that Jesus Christ is alive. And may that shape and form your very life this day. And may you shout it from the rooftops. I bless you all in the strong, in the beautiful, in the risen name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. God's blessings to you. To Rosie, I love you. Karis and Nathan, I love you. Happy Easter. See you guys soon.